Hi, welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGame.com. I'm your host, Juni, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. I have stock positions in AMD, Google, NVIDIA. Thank you. Okay, uh, this week was particularly good if you are on the bullish side. Um, this continues the rally that we started on October 12th, about two weeks ago. We hit a bottom, uh, but we've been rallying since then. Uh, this rally is mainly due to earnings being a little bit better than expected. We expected, I'd say, like doom and gloom. There's been some sort of, um, there's been bits of pretty positive news that have been coming out from several companies uh, mixed in with the doom and gloom that we already expected. So I'll kind of be going over those, especially the ones that I care about. Um, and then uh, GDP was also reported this um, this week, and it was a pretty good report, so that gave some consumer confidence. Um, but in particular, uh, you know, McDonald's has also hit an all-time high, so that's just good feels all around. I love McDonald's uh, for those that are maybe listening that are newer. Um, I'm a huge fan of McDonald's, though I don't have any McDonald's stock, but maybe that should change. But we'll get into that a little bit soon. Um, let's talk about quickly uh, just the summary that I have written up and then I'll jump into this week's earnings. Okay, uh, let's just start with like the most important number um, that I'd say and that's the GDP, gross domestic product number. Uh, GDP is a comprehensive measure of US economic activity. Uh, GDP measures the value of all the final goods and services produced in the United States. Uh, GDP is reported every quarter, and this quarter we reported a higher than expected uh, pace or annual pace for the July and September quarter. Um, this is a really good thing because you know GDP has been declining uh, the last two reports, and this one's the one where we are looking like we're going back on track. Though the experts that I uh, definitely air quotes around experts, but the experts that I've been um, reading on in the articles say that this uh, sort of uh, pace or this you know better than expected outcome isn't supposed to be sustained and that they expect a recession in the first half of next year. So it depends on you know, really like who you read and who you really listen to. Um, but definitely numbers don't lie. This is the data that's coming in. Uh, we got 2.6 um, uh, for the increase in GDP uh, for the period as a, rather than the 2.3 that was expected. So GDP being up more than expected, obviously a good thing, but it just depends on what your, I guess, prediction is for whether or not we're gonna be in a recession next year or if GDP will continue to grow. It just definitely depends on who you read and who you ask. Another part of the report is consumer spending. Consumer spending is decelerated. In quarter two, it grew by 2%. This quarter, it grew by 1.4%. Um, but the main takeaway to me is that it's still up. Uh, it's decelerating. You know, The interest rate hikes, I'm sure, are a big part of it. People are hearing in the news and being scared about spending money, being a little bit more defensive and like conservative with their money. But consumer spending is still up. We'll kind of briefly touch about this again when we talk about Visa earnings and how they did. Um, but th right now, it doesn't seem all too bad. A lot of people will warp 
this sort of like line and make it seem like oh no we're just gonna head to like a negative rate uh when it comes to consumer spending like people are gonna be petrified but we'll see i mean the holiday season is also coming up so historically this is where consumers spend the most maybe it will be less than a typical spending year but having consumer spending uh reach a negative pace uh, i don't know that seems like sort of a sort of a reach but we'll see uh this week uh november 2nd november 3rd is the fomc meeting uh the fed is widely accepted to approve a fourth consecutive 0.75 percentage point interest rate hike as meeting next week but then might slow the pace of increases afterward as officials take time to assess the impact of policy uh on economic conditions so i mean if we get a surprise 0.50 hike uh that's going to send the market flying. Um, but Jay Powell or Jerome Powell has been very, very clear on that they want to overcorrect versus undercorrect. So 0.75, I welcome it. I'd rather just have it, you know, flush out all the fear that could possibly be uh, coming in the door. Um, if we get a 0.75 and inflation still seems to go down, then the next uh, sort of um, FOMC meeting, I'm sure that they'll have a smaller number um, reported to be hiked. If I were to bet on it, I think that we would get a 0.75 um, hike. I don't think we're in a scenario where we would want to do a surprise uh, cut. Uh, though I think it would send the markets flying, that's definitely not what Jerome Powell wants. Um, you don't want there to be like a euphoria of getting back into the market because that's just going to offset the deceleration of inflation, um, you know, if we even had that. So, you know, keeping it at 0.75 for now and then giving some sort of remark on, you know, what we actually have for the inflation number and what we want to do going into like next year, then there could be some sort of like room to have it be at a lesser rate. Um, I can see the market also getting really spooked if we do another 0.75 on top of that because, you know, in terms of media timeline, this feels like it's been forever. But really, it hasn't even been, been a full year of uh, like inflation scare. Um, I, I think the inflation scare really started happening in like March. A lot of people were in denial, including me, like in the beginning of the year. Definitely didn't think about it during the during the very top of the market, which I think was like November of 2021. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see if they um, decide to dial it back. But this uh, coming FOMC meeting, I could definitely see a raise of 0.75, and I think the market is already pricing that in as well. So you know, playing FOMC as like an event. Uh, like for options it's incredibly dangerous it's even more dangerous than earnings i think just because of how many different ways you can warp sort of news um like general macro level news as opposed to like specific detail points of a company so just be careful and remember if you're doing it have fun all right uh let's just quickly just go run by this summary that i've written up um on the earnings for this week um, first up is Visa. Visa did really well, uh, and they also boosted their dividend by 20%. So that is pretty huge. Um, in terms of like this macro environment, that's a flex. If you're going to increase your dividends and take 
um, some of your profits out and give it back to the shareholders, that that makes it very enticing to want to get in on on the stock, right? Like you know that during a macro environment like this where things are super scary, this company's upping their dividend and crushing their earnings estimates. Uh, you know that's this is probably a really good stock to just be in. Maybe it won't be the strongest growth stock, but no one's really thinking about growth. I had this one quote um, that I'll just kind of like end this visa segment with, and it's from their CFO. Uh, the quote says, uh, if you just looked at our numbers uh, and didn't look at what people are saying or writing in the media, you wouldn't think there's all this anxiety or uncertainty out there or that people aren't feeling good about things. I love that quote because it just shows that the consumer spending is still there, still strong, which is why I made this, uh, this uh, why I alluded to this when I talked about GDP. So GDP, it says consumer spending is up, but it's decelerated from quarter two. Um, but here's Visa's CFO, the, you know, the chief financial officer of the biggest credit company in the world, telling you that like, there's nothing wrong. Consumers are still spending how they, how they spend. And then on top of that, here's a 20% boost in dividend. Like that makes me personally feel good. But here's the other side. Jerome Powell said that there needs to be pain in like the American consumer slash American worker for this inflation thing to be fixed. This report, if I truly believe Jerome Powell and what he needs to happen, um, if, I, if I believe that, then this would be somewhat kind of scary in, in terms of you know, interest rate hikes. Maybe because Visa is reporting this, that 0.75 is definitely on the table, and then that 0.75 could be on the table for the next one after that. But no one knows what's going to happen. No one knows what the future entails. Otherwise, that person would be rich. So I'm just trying to give you all the different perspectives, the bullish case, the bearish case, so you can make your own decisions. Um, but yeah, Visa's uh, earnings made me feel really, really good. Um, I even bought a little bit more of stock, just like like in all the different these different types of companies. Uh, maybe I'll give a summary of like where my portfolio is at uh, at the end of this um, earnings section. Another earnings uh, that got my attention was Shopify. Uh, Shopify's gross merchandise volume, or the total value of merchandise sold on the platform rose 11% to 46.2 billion in the third quarter. So that's huge, right? That kind of is in line with what Visa is saying about how consumers look strong. Their gross merchandise volume or you know the, the price of goods or the value of their goods is growing by 11%. That's huge. This growth company is still reporting growth-like numbers. Their earnings per share, I think, was the most standout to me, uh, they were expected to have a loss of 0.07, but they had a loss of 0.02. That's a huge, huge beat in terms of like having a lower than expected loss. And if you don't remember, um, Tobias, uh, the uh, the CEO and founder of uh, Shopify, um, said that they're planning to uh, you know try to get the company to a break even or try to get to profitability as fast as possible. And then they, they, all, uh, they also apologize for uh, betting too big on e-commerce and the bet was wrong, right? Like you don't get any sort of that, like apology like that from Meta, like um, doing the wrong call on like VR and the metaverse. But you get that sort of um, apology from someone that's 
actually running a company that has proven results of like narrowing their losses like the one reported in here and their gross merchandise volume also growing it's a good sign and it's what is one of the main reasons why i opened a cash secured put this week um, for shopify because shopify had an awesome day i think there is still room for there to be some sort of like euphoria cool off from the earnings and maybe go down a little bit more but i like the 30 dollars strike price and i got paid 100 bucks for it and it's for about 21 days my favorite expiration i said why not so i opened it um i'm hoping for shopify um you know there's a there's a chance if shopify does dip below 30 that i continue just buying more of it um, I would just love their earnings per share to go positive um, again. That would be that would be great <laughs> uh, because I do have an affinity uh, for companies that actually produce earnings. Um, I'd say that if you're just starting out uh, investing, if they don't have a P&E ratio, price earnings ratio, or if they don't have earnings per share, uh, just skip out uh, on investing in them. For now, until you get more experience just trading stocks, learning how to take your losses, make your losses smaller, make your mistakes less bad, and all that good stuff. Um, but till then, yeah, definitely stick with companies that uh, have a positive earnings per share, aka a positive P&E ratio. Okay, so I know what you're thinking. Uh, Junie, you sound so boring, and you always talk about the bullish stuff, and then you're so, you're so annoying. I, I have so many puts that I want to win to make a few hundred dollars, and I'm betting that the whole economy fails uh, so I could afford this new thing that I don't want to impress the people that I don't like. Uh, so here's a bearish case. Uh, here's a bearish toned uh, report. So Google slash Alphabet, um, did not do so well um, and I recently just invested in them too so that's not like it's not too great of a start but I did keep my position small so I'm very proud of that I had a, a very good discipline pulling the trigger I bought 50 shares instead of my usual 100 so I, I have like uh, prices that I'm already willing to double down at which is around the $75 area but we're not quite there yet um, Alphabet's earnings were down 24 percent so that's like that's pretty huge uh they're down to 1.06 or $1.06 for their earnings per share um which is far short quote from this article um consensus estimate of $1.26 a share revenue um also grew to only 69 billion nice as opposed to 71 billion um they were supposed to reach a higher number than 6%, uh, but they only grew by 6%, and uh, they blamed it on the dollar's strength. Um, and just to like debunk that a little bit, for those that don't know, um, the dollar being strong and that hurting profits of like companies like Google and Alphabet, uh, it's mainly due to how, you know, if you make money in another country, uh, you have to convert that back to USD eventually. And if you make money in a country that has a weaker currency and then you convert that back to USD, you effectively get less USD because the USD is stronger, um, which is like good for companies that are only basically in the US, which is, or, you know, borderline just okay. But it really hurts big companies that enter, uh, like that, um, that operate in in international areas so if you didn't know now you know 
Um, Google or Alphabet was down uh, 7.8 in early trading on Wednesday. Um, and right now, Google is sitting at uh, 96.63. So uh, it's definitely benefited from this last Friday's rally, but I'll kind of uh, leave my comments of the valley of the Friday rally uh, at the end of this section. But I'm not done. Uh, <laughs> um, Google has has a few few red flags. I'll just call them orange flags. I don't know, man. Maybe there's just something huge coming that I don't know. But uh, Google's expenses were up 18% year over year, which is which is huge. Like that's that's a huge amount of spending. Um, and then their R&D department, their spending has also increased 34%. That's huge. And their sales and marketing expense up 26%. That's so big. And on top of all this, their operating margin fell uh, to 25% as opposed to 32%. So that means they lost 7% in efficiency for how they make profits. You know, like there's different ways that I kind of like think about this number because yes, their efficiency went down, their margins uh, got shrunk. But maybe it's because, you know, they're letting their engineers have a better life. They are providing free therapy or they're providing, you know, free laundry and all, all these nice things. You know, maybe that's good. But does that fuel the, oh, you got to stay on campus. Oh, you got to work hard to deserve this. Oh, you, I don't know. I have no clue. And is it like bad that companies' margins like necessarily get lower because they're making life for their employees better? Like, I don't know, man. It's... It's weird being like a shareholder or like an investor in the market, but also wanting the best for people, right? Like that's like the main internal conflict that I have with investing into stocks is like, yeah, I could get super pumped that like margins get bigger, but does that mean they're hiring less people and they're expecting their employees to do more work, like more than one person's job, like a typical startup would do? It's it's tricky and you know just being neutral and being able to listen to both sides is definitely a skill um a, definitely a skill that i'm still trying to develop um but that's just how i read these things um alphabet's employee count also continued to rise sharply so they increased their headcount from 186,000 to um adding 36,000 on top of that uh, their employee account increasing 24%. That's crazy, dude. It, it, you hear everyone's doing layoffs or slowing hiring um, and all this, but a a, oh, I'm losing my words. A, a company the size of Google increasing their staff by 24% is crazy. So either out, like Google thinks that there's going to be like, like maybe they think that the uh, the bottom has been priced in, or maybe they really really want, um, I don't know. They, they, what do you do? How do you justify hiring that many people in a time like this? And this is these are just kind of like this is either a red flag for this company or a green flag for the macro, right? But even if they were increasing um, hiring then doesn't that mean that we're still expecting pain from Jerome Powell, right? Like, you don't know what is good news and what is bad news. But what we do know is Alphabet is becoming, quote, uh, by me, this is my, so I guess I don't need to say quote, it's becoming less efficient, um, which is okay, 
because it makes engineers' life a little bit easier, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, still gonna be holding on to my shares. Nothing was so bad about Google um, that is making me change my mind about selling my shares for a loss or anything. Uh, it's not like the company is pivoting to the metaverse or anything like that. Um, you can talk about how expenses being up and R&D being up like being pretty scary, but I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think Google, with all, all everything that they provide, whether it be YouTube or Google Chrome, I think if they want to spend more on R&D, I mean, let the people that are leading continue to spend on R&D. I don't, I don't really care. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say Google's report... I give it a solid like six and a half out of ten, <laughs> um, but I'm excited to hear you know what the next report is like. Uh, I don't my my share what my share count uh, my my percentage portfolio of Google uh, with my portfolio is not all too high like at all, um, so I'm not really sweating. Um, but yeah, excited to see the next report and we'll see where it goes. I do want to talk about one like little small thing. Um, so there's this like viral video of this uh, Facebook product manager. She's 23. Um, she says it in the in the TikTok or reel. I actually still don't know what, what she posted it on. Um, but she basically shows off her life of you know being able to have time to be mentally healthy, have plenty of free time, walk into office with snacks beautiful views um and you know basically the standard you know i'm young i'm working at a giant tech company that sort of flex um that that poor girl like it, you know if i was 23 and i was working at facebook i had a job like that a salary like that and i was feeling pretty happy about myself there is a chance that at that age, I would probably might do something like that. I, I just don't know myself well enough at 23 uh, if I if I knew I would do that or not. But um, this poor girl has been like the poster child of like Meta's downfall um, because you know you're you're <laughs> you're you're seeing a lot of that. Um, like, what's the best way I could put this? Uh, misogyny. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's a lot of like rude things being said um, about her on social media. I just feel super bad because it, it it was a mistake. Like you shouldn't have done that. But you, dude, am I? Do I expect you to know about like macro level economics of like what's happening right now? Maybe because it should be contextual. If you know Zuckerberg has talked about like slowing hiring and all that stuff. Um, so I, I just don't know, but I do feel bad, and that's why I, I kind of put emphasis on, you know, is it really that bad if a worker gets that sort of like freedom to have time to spend time with their mom, walk their dog, or do 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 things other than work, but still provide their skills and services to the job, right? Like that's just something that I've been valuing more as like you know. I work. I'm working somewhere new now for my nine to five, and I'm I'm loving the job. I'm loving the people. And one of the main things I was looking for was the work life balance. And are the people nice? It's like literally a question that I've asked during the interview process. And um, it's 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 tricky. It's tricky. I'm still learning. I'm still gauging on like what's too soft or what's you know what 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 environment is like too difficult or 
you know, should what what is work? What's the point of work? <laughs> I'm like having a having like a a value breakdown, like a, a like a personal value breakdown right now. Uh, but I just thought I'd just comment on that. I do hope that she's okay. Like you know, I, during quarantine, there's this. Uh, uh, this is the last part of the tangent. I promise. During quarantine, there was a show called Terrace House, and um, you know everyone's stuck inside. I was thankfully uh, in a house with like seven roommates, so it was super fun. We played board games, we did all these things, but we watched shows together at night. That was like one of our things. We watched a show called Terrace House, and there was a girl um, that you know just wasn't generally liked. Um, just didn't provide much in dialogue or in the show or whatever like i you know you guys and girls know that i'm a, not a big show watcher so it it was it, she didn't like um how do i say like it didn't mean much to me whether or not she talked a lot or like i, I didn't really like get into the show but i would find it interesting that people would be so mean to someone for just being on a reality type show um and just vibing i don't know like that's the best way i could say it. like she didn't really cause any drama she was just there um but yeah saying bad things about her um and i, I was checking on twitter because that was like a huge thing twitter was blowing up during the quarantine and so many people were saying so many rude things and she um wow you know what uh, what is her name? I uh, Terrace House. Uh, here we go. Let me see. Her name is Hannah Kimura, and she killed herself after a wave of online abuse. So, using this section of the podcast, just say like if you partake in any of the like online bullying, whether or not like she deserves it. I think that is definitely a decision that's probably not up to you but it was definitely a mistake uh and that if she's truly sorry that you know maybe she doesn't deserve to be picked on uh it's just stuff like this that happens in like like finance um media um that like kind of gets to me because you, you just don't know where people are at like people that especially that flex on social media are the ones that really are hurting like the most like if you really think that posting pictures online is going to make you happy and that's really your cycle then you you know you're pretty you're not feeling that great about like real life i think but anyway uh if you see people you know picking on people online from a huge mistake like this you know it's cool to poke jokes maybe at it like a little bit later but like dang like it would be nice if you did not participate in this like bashing of a girl that is successful in tech space which is already kind of hard to do um but yeah just thought about this and uh rest in peace hannah kimura okay and moving on uh the united parcel service uh posted stronger than expected uh third quarter earnings on tuesday uh, they repeated its full year profit guidance, and that's a really good thing, although their guidance was already tapered back a lot, especially since um, FedEx has also been given that um, or gave that warning about lower packages numbers and you know it looking like 
there might not be that many people um, or as many people shipping packages as before. Um, so UPS reaffirming that guidance is huge um, and uh, them already posting better than expected results is a amazing thing. Uh, last but not least, uh, there is McDonald's. McDonald's hit an all-time high uh, this last week and it hit 274 on Friday, up 3% on the day. Uh, this is largely in part due to uh, promotions like the Happy Meal or the Adult Happy Meal where there's like Travis Scott toys. I, I just never understand that. I love McDonald's food. I don't like their like promotions and stuff. I'm just not a huge fan, but that just shows, I guess. Uh, I don't know. My gatekeeping side of McDonald's is like, just order the Big Mac, brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, and so McDonald's is also reporting that their loyalty app or their app is doing really well too. And although I don't use it, I definitely should. Like I'm like looking at my phone right now, do I have it? Maybe I just like always forget that I have it when I'm in the, oh, I do have it. Yeah, so their McDonald's deals on the app are really, really good. Um, and you should use them. Well, now I'm talking about in the third person, but yeah, I should be using this more. Anyway, it's not a surprise to me uh, that McDonald's hit all time high. Um, I've talked about it on the podcast before, just about how McDonald's has done well during like every single downturn. Um, it's kind of like the Costco effect, though Costco to me was a little different, um, just because Costco uh, is um, still like a grocery store. And I think McDonald's is like the epitome of like laziness when it comes to wanting to just eat something real quick that's cheap. Costco is cheap when you buy a lot, which might not be as accessible as like McDonald's to like lower income families. So that's like something that I'm like starting to digest more, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, McDonald's also pays a pretty nice dividend. Um, and right as of right now, as of this recording, yeah, McDonald's is still at the high of 274.52. So we'll see if that cools off in this coming week. Um, there is a gap now below to fill around like 260. Uh, I'm just doing a quick check. Oh, their ex-dividend day is also November 30th. So if you want dividends, you would buy it, uh, buy McDonald's stock prior to November 30th. So that's good to know. Um, but I can sell the 26-day cash secured put. And at the money cash secured put is about like 500 bucks for 26 days, which is pretty nice. Um, but that is not as much as you would normally get for putting up like basically $27,000. Uh, because their McDonald's IV or implied volatility is relatively low. It sits at 22%. So selling options on McDonald's, not as lucrative, but the dividend is nice and it's a, it's a good company. Uh, COVID, they re rebounded pretty well, and I think they got even more efficient. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, paying attention just to companies that have rebounded well from COVID and then adopted new procedures that make them more efficient is just better in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can just think about like if there were to be another pandemic, people might not respond honestly, like if I'm being super honest, people will probably not take it as seriously as COVID, at least initially. Um, but then McDonald's 
it's definitely one of those first few places that I started eating at um, during quarantine because they just did everything, I don't know, just fast. And just to quickly recap on where I am on my portfolio, I'm down 14.4K on a 210K portfolio. This puts me in a better position than SPY or QQQ um, by a double digit number. So I'm still really happy about that and my performance for this year. Um, I've been buying stocks in uh, AMD and Nvidia again. So right now I'm up to 250 shares of AMD and uh, I am up to 38 shares on Nvidia. Uh, I'm up to 62 shares on Google and I have a cash secure put on Shopify. AMD is reporting this week, um, and we'll, we'll, we, sh we should just talk about that uh, right now real quick before I list off all the earnings for this week. Um, AMD is reporting, and then two days later, um, the, their graphics cards basically get announced, and the benchmarks will come out and all of that. What I'm starting to see is that there are a lot of comments just on whenever, whenever there's an NVIDIA video or AMD video, there's more and more people in the comment section, especially with higher upvotes, that are willing to go to a full AMD system that includes like CPU and GPU, where a lot of gamers and a lot of you know really big tech nerds would just really, really be focusing on it, an NVIDIA GPU and an Intel CPU. But now there is definitely building up a case for uh, a full AMD system, the CPU being the Ryzen chip and then the, um, the graphic card being part of their GPU series, whatever this one gets called, but um, it's it's cool. It's cool being at the cusp of seeing how AMD starts to kind of transform their I don't know their sub uh, their I don't know their second place sort of uh, image and making it and turning it into like a first place image. Uh, people are guessing that AMD's new graphics card will be close. Um, to be uh, uh, to be on par with Nvidia, but Nvidia is to be expected to definitely be better if you plan on overclocking. Uh, something else to be said about AMD's GPUs is that there seem to be um, they could be possibly be smaller form factor and more energy efficient. So that's like pretty big deal, especially if you want to build like a micro series like computer or a micro build. Um, I have a micro build uh, PC uh, that I have with a 1080 Ti. It'd be nice if I could just swap out the card here because I know for sure that this case cannot fit a 4090, um, but that's TBD, I guess. Uh, I do have to build a PC soon because my stepdad's PC broke, so I'm planning on giving him this build, uh, and then I'm gonna just, I don't know, build a tower like a new tower so i'll probably be going all amd for that one um but we'll we'll see i'm excited to see how the benchmarks come out but the main takeaway that i wanted to just like communicate here is that amd reports prior to the uh the gpu being uh released or announced so there is this like ambiguity uh that is not priced in with amd and there could be a jump or a fall, I mean, just depending on how the reviews come out um, after earnings. So if you have an earnings play that does really well, like if you buy puts and AMD goes down, you there might be a case for you to say like, like secure profits uh, before November 3rd um, when 
the AMD cards get announced where maybe they're like super good and then um, the price jumps back up negating your puts so definitely do um, your own research here there's lots of sensitive dates coming out just with AMD so just be aware on those uh, and you should have a decent time okay and moving on to this week's earnings um, nothing so much on Monday uh, before open on Tuesday, there is SoFi, Uber, Pfizer, and uh, Toyota. After close on Tuesday, there's Airbnb, AMD, and MicroStrategy. Before open on Wednesday, there's CVS uh, and Humana, as well as Paramount. Uh, after close on Wednesday, there's Roku, Qualcomm, Robinhood, and Etsy. Uh, before open on Thursday, there's Crocs, Datadog, Peloton and Nicola, as well as Moderna. After on close on Thursday, there's PayPal, Coinbase, Block, Twilio, Starbucks, Carvana, Cloudflare. Before open on Friday, there's DraftKings. A few things to note. Um, AMD after close on Tuesday, that's gonna be a huge deal. I think just a lot of people are gonna be looking at that just regardless because semiconductors went up a lot during uh, quarantine and the rally and after, uh, but it's also gone down a lot. And so I think people are eager to see where the bottom is. I know I am. Um, Datadog is gonna be interesting before open on Thursday, uh, just because I really like Datadog. I don't use it for the job I'm at now, but Datadog is pretty good in terms of just like DevOps and keeping your eyes on things. Um, I think it's a great product. Uh, Data Gang also doesn't use it just because I don't think Data Gang is big enough to need something like Datadog. But um, if it, uh, like, if Data Gang ever did become a huge company, yeah, I could definitely see Datadog being helpful. Um, Crocs have uh, definitely corrected from like the COVID high because Crocs got became really cool uh, during quarantine. Crocs stock. I just kind of want to like look at it. Its PE ratio is eight, so it's pretty. It's decent, I guess, for like an apparel company or like a shoe company. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's found a happy medium. They do a lot of collabs, collabs, collaborations to stay relevant. Um, so whatever the cool topic is of like the month or the quarter, they can make a Crocs um, design for that. Um, yeah, what else is what else is there? Um, nothing really. I mean, there's Robinhood, but I, I don't know. I just I just don't really pay attention to Robinhood stock anymore. Oh, Carvana, and also Cloudflare. So, and also Coinbase and PayPal and Block. So, lots of fintech companies are reporting uh, after close on Thursday. That should tell you a bit of like their restructuring of I don't know, whatever they've been doing. PayPal uh, has devoted themselves to uh, buying back shares of stock by also partnering with that one partner that likes buying back shares of stock. I would love an update of whether or not they actually committed to that because the only way you really know is whether they tell you or it's hidden somewhere in like the the uh, the financial report. But there's no like specific like bought, bought, like bought back stock section. It's like muddied in with a whole bunch of other numbers that they spend money on. Um, and that's just typical of any company. That's not specifically PayPal. Um, Carvana. So the used car market has been going down pretty heavily. There's been a few videos from like a lot of my favorite YouTubers talking about it. 
Carvana will be reporting um, just like their inventory on used cars and their profits on used cars. Because used cars are cooling off so fast, Carvana, you know, from the videos I've been watching, is in danger of becoming bankrupt. So I'll, I'll most more than likely just be keeping an eye on Carvana just to learn more about the used car numbers, but I think that is huge. Uh, and then Cloudflare, I think Cloudflare is really dope. Um, I've been hearing from inside the Discord that Cloudflare isn't as great as it's supposed to rack up, but from my experience of using it so far uh, in my personal projects and at work, um, I, I like the experience. I think it's actually better than AWS only because it's like simpler. Um, I think they have their UI just a little bit better, but that's also because AWS is just all-encompassing. AWS has like everything you can think of. Um, a few a few other stocks. Peloton and Nikola also report before open on Thursday, which is just funny because those are both really bad companies to invest in. Um, but yeah, just uh, maybe if I remember, I'll look at those. But aside from that, this week seems pretty light. There is just a lot of growth reporting this week. So we'll, we'll just see how growth is doing. Um, whether they decide to pull out uh, their guidance for the for the year or for next year or if they plan on reducing uh, staff count. All of these things that you know Jerome Powell wants, we'll see if these companies actually end up doing. Um, Airbnb comes to mind, Uber comes to mind, Robinhood comes to mind, uh, Peloton, Block, Coinbase, PayPal, like all these really growth-focused companies, um, we'll see if they dial back any of their guidance. Whew, so that was pretty good. Um, that's about it for today. Oh, I, I think I also forgot. Twilio's reporting after close on Thursday. Twilio was doing really, really good during quarantine. I mean, you can imagine how many SMS messages started needing to be sent because of different protocols. But anyway, this was a really long episode. Um, uh, my voice is definitely feeling it. Uh, but I just want to say thank you to everyone that does listen every week. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to record these and have some time to myself just to talk into a microphone. Um, there's some big, big changes coming with the website, and I'm talking about like huge changes. Some changes are gonna uh, make people upset that it's so big of a change. Um, I'm doing this primarily because I think this is the last version of the Data Game before it turns into something absolutely gigantic. But this is the version that will live the longest. So there was version one when this first came out, when it was basically only me on the site. Then came version two, a huge uplift in user design and feedback. And that's when everyone else started coming on. Um, and then I basically got funding, right, from uh, just, you know, Patreon and, you know, my own money and all that stuff. And version three is more than officially on the way. It's, it's worked on a lot <laughs> um, and I have a good foundation down it, I took it took so much planning on how I wanted to implement trades again um, just like for just some context like there's gonna be actual contracts on there now instead of just like full trades. so you, you'll be able to close out trades partially you'll be able to roll trades and all these features that people have been like kind of hacking together with like their own comments on trades uh, it's going to be so much faster as a website. It's going to be such a faster, smoother experience on the phone. 
um, and, and for the one per 1.6% that are on tablet, like shout out to you guys and girls for using tablet. But um, yeah, I am excited. I'll have more details just as it um, starts to just starts to uh, get more and more uh, completed. Um, but yeah, version three is coming. It'll be the last version until I don't know. I can't imagine another huge facelift because I'm using like the the most up-to-date tech that you can for a website like this. So I can imagine it lasting for a pretty long time. Um, and all the decisions that I'm making going into this is from the things I've like learned um, coding like the the previous version or this version that's up right now at thetagame.com. There's a lot of pitfalls where it just doesn't feel good. Um, although I think it's the best experience to share a trade, so I'm gonna toot my horn for that. Um, but it's there's still a lot of things to be learned from that I'll be incorporating in version three, um, and I'm ex really excited to share that all with you um, maybe later this year. So that's it. Um, today's Sunday. Had a really relaxing, really real relaxing, relaxing Sunday today. Um, wow, my voice is really going out. Um, and then I hope everyone has a fantastic week. We'll see if the rally continues. I hope it does. Um, I hope there's like a good case in point for there to be some chopping sideways instead of this like, like I don't know, this downward trajectory that we've been having. It feels, it's been feeling pretty bad, but site traffic has been going up um, by a considerable amount. I think site traffic went up like 8% last, last week. Then this last week it went up about like 15%. So there's a good amount of people returning um, uh, just to the site, whether it be looking for inspiration for trades for their first trade back, or if they're just resuming some other trades that maybe they you know left on the table like you know, a few months ago. Um, there's just a huge influx of users coming back. And I think, um, honestly, thetaking.com, the analytics that I get for user visits is actually a good indicator because it is really the general public. There's just like nothing really gating it. It's, um, it's just, uh, it's just people that want to trade. People want to have fun and people want to have learn, uh, learn together. It's a cool community. Uh, speaking of community, twitch.tv slash realthetagang if you want to just come out and say hi, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Um, ask questions. It, even if it's like super specific stock related, there's always time to answer those sort of questions. Gives me something to talk about. I get to learn a little bit more about your portfolio, a little bit, uh, learn a little bit about you. Um, and it's fun. I'd say that most people that show up um, don't really even ask a question they just kind of come by and hang out and uh that's definitely a place to do that uh i want to end this with the patrons here uh i want to give a shout out to ag arfman evrelian beans jake kim can't make money irl chicken dinner empty cans fancy wolf froggy fresh trades grandpa 95 jay-z and kaput lazy reservist leo jetson low skeletor maestro xc mom n8056 mcfly mmmm m hayden mike d mitch 27 mods mr integrity patch bedtime rooster rustier seneca shifty slow motion statistically random symmetrics the gesture theater ray upstream puddle vitc tc and ncs 88 thank you all for listening and i'll see everybody next time bye bye